All right, folks, welcome back to the Living It Up podcast. Brian here. I am joined by the co-host of Living It Up podcast, George. Hello, George. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Good, man. Hey, we are coming to you all on the eve of the Live Golf Portland Invitational out at Pumpkin Ridge. Uh, and so we're going to get started with what's going on in Portland. We're going to talk about who's new to the field, who's new to live in general, who's in, who's out. Some people very strongly out. Some people kind of wishy-washy out. Uh, some of the recent press conferences uh, in, the, in, in the past few days that are causing waves and pearl clutching of all sorts. But let's get started with a question. Hey, George, which field is stronger, Live Portland or the John Deere? Uh, without question, actually, to third leg Greg's uh, credit, the, the Portland field is way stronger. Uh, I mean, it, it's not even close. Would um, and I'm curious because, like, if we look back at previous deers, you definitely have some number of the top 50 there. While most of the top 50 would skip this thing, just where it sits in the schedule, kind of in between major championships, guys are gearing up, want to gear up for the open championship coming up. So, not an event that would be frequented by the top 50 in the world. But I saw this week when, when Daniel Berger, John Deere uh, sponsor, by the way, had to withdraw due to injury. He was the only can member we, of the can top we put, 50 in the world. Only can we put Can we put air quotes around injury? Or is that <laughs> too sensitive? Hey, you know what? It, it's super interesting given that the, he's, he's sponsored by John Deere, which I did not know. I'd never seen that on his sleeve or what have you. Uh, but apparently he's, a, he's in the John Deere camp and had to withdraw from their event the week of. Um, good story. I saw Morgan Hoffman got into that one. So that's, that's a good story to watch in the PGA Tour. But I would say you're exactly right. Like the majority of the juice in terms of top players, recent major winners, like the juice is in Portland this week, right? If you're thinking about major men's professional golf, like Portland is the event to, to think about. It's the more exciting field. Uh, I mean, it, it certainly has the most talent. Um, now, I, I do think that what Liv needs more than anything this weekend is to have a like an actual horse race. Um, yeah. Last the, the last event, Keimer kind of ran away with it a little bit, um, and so it, Schwartz, Schwartzel away with it. Schwartzel, excuse me, excuse me. What Schwartzel? What, it, it, it was an Aryan. It was fine. Um, but like I think they, like the the leader ran away with it. And it wasn't necessarily the most compelling golf to watch down the stretch. Yeah. Hey, uh, I know we're recording. Like, there's a lot of background now, right? Because hey, we're, com- we're just coming to you pool. live. We're coming to you live. This is, this is what happens. Okay. So, yeah, so no, I think, I think... and I think um, one of those things where, um, you know, I agree with you. The last one lacked pop. It was more about the the novelty of this being a new thing. I think as as these events start to, you know, continue to roll along, they can't just live on novelty alone. They're going to have to live on some excitement and some drama. And I and I would say both with the individual championship, but more and more of the new guys especially are talking about the team element. And I think there's a lot that can be done with, you know, making that team element pop. I still have I, I would say mixed feelings, but like optimistic feelings that a team competition can can be exciting to watch down the stretch. I think for sure. I mean, like, there's there's no question, and I think Matt Wolf touched on it that, you know, going back to his college days, uh, if you got off to a slow start, 
you might be out of the individual, but you still contribute to the team. And like, that's important for days two and three. Oh, hundred um, percent. I, I mean, and, and George, I can tell you as a guy that played in college and had a fair, a fair amount of uh, my own blow up rounds in, in round one, right. You shoot, you shoot 80, 82 in the first round, you know, you're not taking home an individual, you know, winner, you're not going to win. You're not going to finish top five, but you may count your score in rounds two and three. And so you come out there for the team and you, you try to post one of the top four scores for your team. And I think when I saw Wolf at the presser, you know, it, especially for a guy that struggled with mental health as of late, like you saw his eyes light up in a way that I hadn't seen in a while, you know, since going back to the, to the winged foot U S open uh, near miss where, where Bryson won and he finished runner up. Like this was the first time I'd seen the guy genuinely excited. And he was talking about team golf. He was talking about like, you know, sitting there and eating lunch with his teammates and being on the range with his teammates. So, you know, that dynamic, I, I don't think should be discounted. I don't think everything in golf is team golf, but I think there can be some really cool storylines, some cool, compelling drama down the stretch. Um, and, and I think if it helps guys get excited for it, like Matt Wolf, like that, that's fantastic. I, I think that I mean, one of the things that I kind of looking at the growth of this it, it's twofold in my opinion. The The first piece is how will the commentators manage to keep the kind of the drama of the team component mm-hmm. going with the individual lead? So, you know, obviously if you've got a very neck and neck and a very tight bunched leaderboard and then also pointing out, hey, you got this team piece going on. And, you know, it, it really is people have equated it to F1. And I think mm-hmm. it very much is that piece because like you have people get locked into these teams and then you have the drivers and like everyone's trying to jockey to help each other out um and so if the if the i think if the commentators can figure out how to convey the importance of each element to the fans i think it's going to help the fan experience so that that's one of the things for me watching this develop you know it, it is clearly a work in progress and so whatever we're watching in this first season, certainly the first event to the second event to the third event, it is going to be an evolving product. And so mm-hmm. for me, I'm looking to say, hey, I just want to see how does this product get better this week? And hopefully that is through A, a tighter leaderboard at the top, but then B, you know, this team competition and seeing these guys who, to your point, you know, may have gone out weak on, the, on day one. And then say like, oh wait, but my team's still in this. Like, I gotta show up. And then yeah. all of a sudden, they sort of, you know, kick it in to to grind out, even if they don't have it that week. Like, hey, I'm just gonna get to even, right? Like, I I, I just gotta score. And then have the the commentators share the importance of those scores. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think you know we've got team golf once a year on the PGA Tour down in uh, down in New Orleans. I think that has gone through some changes in the past. It's, it's, you know, it's gotten exciting at times. It's been kind of boring at times, but I think one thing, and we've talked, we touched on this a little bit that Liv may have going for it when it comes to the team element is they've got, they don't carry baggage around contracts and sponsors and, and kind of locking, you know, being locked into like a particular format. So if they find that, you know, play, play four count three, it creates not enough drama. Heck, they might go to like 
two best balls out of four. And, and that might create a ton of drama and relatability to like the average club player or guy that goes out to the, to the Muni and plays, you know, two best balls out of four with his buddies. Like that can create some really compelling drama. And I think, again, what I'm saying is like Liv doesn't have the baggage of all like the, the, the inertia and the big ship that Jay Monahan's got to steer. And we'll talk later about the, uh, the announcements that Jay made this week to kind of counter or talk about, you know, some, some innovations they're bringing to bear. But I think Liv doesn't carry any of that baggage and inertia and bureaucracy that, that the PGA Tour does. And so they're going to be able to make tweaks on the fly, I assume, if things aren't creating the right type of drama for them or if they're not seeing the right engagement on the team side. Um, so, again, I, I, I will watch this space uh, because I think there's some, there's some real cool opportunities for team golf to be exciting. Um, I, 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 I agree with your point that maybe it didn't deliver an event one and it's going to be up to the broadcasters and, and sort of how they do it to make it pop. And I think like, no. that's a good segue into like, I would say, you know, we talked about one big name, Matt Wolf, that's a recent commit. Um, so officially this week, uh, you know, Brooks became an official, Abe answer came officially, uh, uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau officially, P. Reed was announced, Pat Perez, uh, one of the top amateurs in the game, Eugenio Shikara, a recent graduate of uh, Oklahoma State, runner-up at the NCAAs, won the regional. So another top amateur player, and that's, that's going to be a big deal uh, going forward. Uh, like it, it, in general, we've talked about this with some of the amateurs that recently won the USAM, but live poaching off not just some of these top names and some of these guys that maybe have uh, you know, contributed to the game for decades. They're also picking off these guys that are at the top of their games and are just getting going. And so if that starts to take shape, that they can, you know, pick off the, uh, the, the guys that have been at this a decade, the guys that are just getting started, that can create for a really compelling feeder system to, uh, to strengthen the fields over time. Cause I, I, when I look at the Portland field, quite honestly, there's about 24 to 28 names that, you know, and about, you know, 20 or so names that, the U.S. audience, at least, does not know. Some folks would know them from from Europe or Asia tours. Uh, in fact, we're going to have a segment, George, coming up later called "Who Are You." We're going to dig into some of those guys that we may not be too familiar with. Uh, but those are the new guys that that uh, that committed and went under what I would consider the gauntlet of these recent press conferences. Right? Um, I, I know we watch these press conferences. I know we uh, we chuckled at times at at some of the answers. I think from from my take, the talking points are kind of coalescing on 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 one thing that I'd love to get your point of view on, which is time more so than money. Like certainly the money is why these guys took the opportunity seriously at all. And it's why they listened to the offer. But what you're hearing guys coalesce on is this whole idea of like, hey, I can play 12, 14, 20 times a year. Right. As opposed to playing 30, 35, maybe even 40 weeks a year. And they're talking about the time with family, the time with, you know, their, their business endeavors or their charitable endeavors. And you're starting to see that be more of the talking point. Now, whether it's, you know, the PR talking point they've been fed or it's true, one could squint at, but, but you got to look at it. Uh, and I'll give you my, my, my quick take and then I'll pass the baton over to you. Pat Perez was a breath of fresh air in his press conference, just totally direct, totally frank. And the guy's like, I've been on the road since 98 before Matt Wolf was even born. Like, and when you think about that, a guy that's grinded in, I would say, like, almost relative obscurity to the, to the average American fan. This guy's been a 30-a-week 
year kind of guy, 33 week a year guy, J- talked about missing his kid's birthday for the FedEx Cup, right? The bottom line is he's tired on on being on the road. He looks at this as the golden no, gold. Not just birth. He didn't miss his birthday. Missed birth. But, yeah, that's right. Not <laughs> like, just I mean, birthday. <laughs> the actual birthday. Yeah. So like it was very clear that it was like he missed birth. Um, no, I, I I think that 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 concept is going to resonate more if these players can win and win majors. Because you hear tour guys talk about the grind. You hear them talk about injuries. You hear them talk about, you know, they, and they, they have to grind through, right? Because they, if they don't play, they lose ground in FedEx points. They lose ground in, you know, depending where they are, whether it's status or whatever. It's like they, they don't get a chance to get healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And so they just basically try to leg it out ultimately to keep status for the next year, right? Because if you, if you win, it's a two-year, or if it's an elevated event, it's three-year. Um, but if you don't win, it's solely based on where did you place last year, and do you, where does that mean for next year? Mm-hmm. So for schedules for events, what can you what can you do? And uh, actually, Max Homa has spoken at length about like how how insane the difference is between being someone who's in the top 125 versus being in the top 70 as far as yeah. the, the yeah, a guy that's got get. status locked up versus a guy that's still grinding out. Like, do I Correct. have a place to play next year? Correct. And it's like, and, and like the starts you get, like, do you get into the elevated events? Do you get into these other things? And just simply getting in is the difference between, you know, effectively kind of as Rory pointed out, like playing for trophies versus playing for money. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and it's one of the things that's always been, I think known and discussed within professional golf, that there's always been, you know, at least two classes, if not three. Yeah. That like there's, you know, I'd say the top 15, the super duper stars um, that have made, you know, what we'll say infinity dollars. It's like, they just show up and play. And then you have the guys that are kind of bucking up, trying to get there. Yeah, and top then you 50 have, to 70 range. And, and then you have the guys that are just trying to keep their card. Yep. And, and it's one of the things, if you pay attention to golf coverage, that they've always done a very poor job. Of, like, they cover the superstars for obvious reasons. Like, that's who you know, and they're winners. But, I mean, the compelling, the compelling storylines often come at the end of the season – is like, you know, basically one one thirty five to one twenty. I mean, like, because those are the dudes that could, like, literally their entire livelihood changes over two two putts. Oh, and that's the drama of the you know the corn fairy finals when you got you know guys that are eking it out for their tour cards, and and that's probably a good segue to a degree. You know, the PGA Tour, of course, isn't going to take this. Uh, by doing nothing. And so this week they announced some changes in terms of elevated status events, getting even more money, even more investment to player purses. They talked about this strategic alliance with the now called the GP world tour, formerly the European tour and how they're going to you know, work together. Um, I, I will tell you that one of the big things I heard, and this goes to my point on Q school is how they've created opportunities for guys directly based on, where they fit in the, the order of merit on the GPL tour 
getting a pathway to the PGA tour. And in some ways they didn't talk about it quite like this. They are, um, you know, just adjusting the number of cards that are out there, but allocating it to, to the DP world tour. Um, in some ways you could argue they're, they're relegating the DP world tour to being the international corn Ferry tour. Um, so yeah, it is the feeder now officially to a degree to the PGA tour. Um, quite frankly, like I look at some of the changes that were made, I think it remains to be seen because there's a lot of details that were just sort of like hinted at, but they didn't get into. I think, it, you know, some of the ideas were, are we really going to get a true season, right? Is it going to be January to August? And then after that, you've got guys maybe in this sort of qualifying series of events like the, uh, like the corn fairy finals um, that could be exciting. It could also be exciting if they're, uh, you know, <laughs> going to actually make room in that. Like one thought I had is like, if they're going to this January to August schedule, perhaps they're making room for a potential outreach to an organization like live or the premier golf league to fill that fall void. Like, could that be the place of harmony? Uh, like sort of creating some schedule capacity and then over time, maybe not now, but in a year or so, going and saying, like, maybe this is where these tours, these series could could coexist. Because uh, I, I think, like, taken at face value, and I'll pause to get your comments, George. Like, I didn't hear anything new in this strategic alliance. I didn't hear anything, like, new or exciting from, you know, yeah, the purses are going up great. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pay. Uh, in fact, they had $54 million of incremental investment, which is – an interesting troll on the, uh, the 54, uh, live golf name, but, but it wasn't anything that to me, if I listen to that and I'm Victor Hovland or I'm Xander Shoffley, or I'm, you know, one of those guys that's, you know, Patrick that upper, upper echelon, Patrick Cantlay. If I'm in the upper echelon and I'm looking at my, my compatriots playing less and making more than me, like uh, human nature starts to take over. So, I mean, there's a, there's a number of things. First of all, everything that, in my opinion, Jay unveiled is, is one, it's reactionary, mm-hmm. which does not necessarily inspire, like, this guy is a leader. But two, it also falls a little deaf to the issue that he's confronting. And, and you, you highlighted it, right? Like, the point of live is the superstars should make the bulk. And so, you know, the point of live is like, Hey, we're going to cut out the one, you know, what is it? 49 through 125. So if there's an $8 million purse, like all the money really goes to the top dudes and it, yeah. that's the way it's going to be. Um, and, and what Jay's done is basically say, all right, we'll, we'll elevate some events. We'll create some new events. And it's like, well, okay, cool. You create new events. So you're basically making them play more, right? Yeah. Like that, that is actually anathema to the specific intent of, yeah. and it's of not why like these guys quali- are leaving. They're not going to qualify based on, you know, the previous three years. They're going to have to play yeah. to qualify. And they're going to have to qualify, which means you have to play enough to qualify. Like, it, it sort of is like – Oh, but no, if you play more, I'll pay you more. You know, it, it, it's almost to some extent, and this is sim- oversimplifying it, but like, you know, hey, I'll gladly pay you tomorrow. And then every day it's like, I'll gladly pay tomorrow. It's like, well, well dude, you're just making them play more. And 
I get it. Like he's got to sell sponsorships. He's got to sell this. Like he has to, he has to go find this money. He has to go find a sponsor for this money. Now, in my opinion, where his plan is going to hit its fatal flaw. And I think this is, you had mentioned like, oh, some fall events and everything else. I need, I don't know what the whole like global viewership of golf is. I don't I don't know where the numbers lie. I don't know the whole demographics here. But from an American standpoint, like we basically love, and I say we, me, and being a person with his pulse of the American populace. I can say this that I speak for everybody. Um, <laughs> Is that like, all right, we see Kapalua. It's January. For most of us, it is it's, freezing cold. I'm watching it is football. miserable. Exactly. It's miserable and it's prime time golf yes. in Hawaii. Trade winds. Man, that looks fun. This weird hokey course where they hit drives to catch the down slope and go 412 yards. Like, that's awesome. I'm in. I'm in. I got nothing else to do. I put my kids to bed. I'm sitting back. Like I poured my cocktail and I am watching this. It's January. This is amazing. Like I'm getting ready for golf season. Fast forward, you know, we get uh, the, the waste management in late January, early February. All right, cool. There's some, there's atmosphere, there's raucous. It, it coincides with the Super Bowl. So that's always kind of fun because they always try to wrap it up with the Super Bowl kicks off. It's like it's it's this weird day of like, all right, that's cool. We get Pebble Beach, we get Riviera, like these weird winter events on the West Coast swing <clears throat> that trend late. Mm-hmm. And we get to watch them on the East Coast, which still I think does have the highest demographic of people. And mm-hmm. and so like it, it has this allure and, and it's cool courses, right? Like we spent Phoenix. I don't even know what the first 14 holes look like. But everybody but, knows the final stretch, of course. Yeah, like 16 through 18, you know, obviously everyone knows 16. 17 is quirky drivable par four, which can like jettison your ball into this pond if you hit the wrong spot. <clears throat> and then 18 always has some drama coming into it. You know, everyone knows Pebble Beach. It's always fun to watch that, even though it's actually not fun to watch it because it's slow as shit and Jim Nance just dribbles on and on and on. Um <laughs> And then you get Riviera, which like for golf dorks, Riv is just like golf porn. Like it's just fun to watch that course. Cause again, like it's this weird course that guys should be able to overpower, but they can't. So they have to get creative. And you watch these really good golfers have to make really cool golf shots. And so, so now like, you're selling me on the P- you're selling me on the PGA tour, George. Tell me why this isn't gonna work. So here's here's the problem, right? So we finish Riv. And then we go to Florida. We go to the Honda, which is horrible. I don't give a shit what they call it. The Bear Trap, Jack's. That course is, PGA National is terrible. It's an uninspiring course. It's got water everywhere. It's not fun. It doesn't show well on TV. And we're back to like final round wrapping up at 6 p.m. So whatever. Then it's like the Valspar, again, not like a particularly inspiring track, nothing great there. I think they slam like a WGC in there, which if they go back to that weird Mexico course in Mexico City, 
like that was pretty inspiring but like I, I i'm assuming because if everyone's super mad about saudi arabia they cannot let Grupo, Grupo Salinas sponsor a tournament because <laughs> it's the biggest money laundering. It's only bank. it's only selective. It's only selective outrage, George. It's right. So I, 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 if if we're not going with the Saudis, like there's no way we let Grupo Salinas do anything. But that's not our choice. And I'm 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 only alleging. I'm only going on alleged information I have heard from other folks. So like, let's be very clear that the alleged word embraces all of that. But then it's like everything's it's all just majors, right? Like then we get to the players, which is I mean, the, the tour has basically elevated that and has self inflated it. Um they they trick out like sawgrass is a tricked out course that is not fun. It's I guess it's interesting, but like you don't really let players play. They just have to do exactly what Pete Dye says you have to do. So like, if you can paint by the numbers, you can basically contend at the players. And yeah, again, you get down the stretch, you know, 16, 17, 18 there. Those are like really interesting holes because things can happen. But as we saw last year, right? Like, and I guess it could happen in any course or any tournament. So I could all temper it. But like Paul Casey literally landed in a pitch mark from someone else. Like the most unlucky thing that could ever happen to anyone ever. And like that decided the tournament most likely. Um, and so you go from the players and I don't even know what is between the players and the masters. What Valero some yeah and, and, I'll, stuff. and i'll maybe jump in here because you've mentioned dozens of events right mm -hmm. and some of them good some of them mediocre but but i think like what i'll underscore is like dozens and dozens of events outside of the big ones that everyone cares about the majors and then these guys are got to play in all these other also ran events just to get points to get fedex top points right but it's like you, you've you've locked me into playing at least 25 times if not 30 times to try to make enough points to make enough money to, to make this all worth it. And, and I'll, I'll give you my sort of like funny, bear with me on my analogy for why these guys like Cantlay and Shoffley and Cam Smith and other top players may look at this differently. Like we all went through COVID and for, for, for many of us that are, uh, you know, blessed enough, I would say, uh, you know, in a position to do remote work, many people cannot, um, but for those that were able to do their work from home, it's analogous in some ways to like remote work and how the corporate employees that have gone through two years of remote work now approach it, right? Their employer may say, all right, now come back to the, pack, come back to the office. But, but like the workers, these corporate workers have experienced a much better quality of life remote. They don't want to go back to the office because they feel like I can do my job and I can also go walk my dog and go get a workout in and go to the dentist and like manage my own time or whatever they do. And if their current employer won't give them that flexibility, they'll just find one that will. I, I think this is like a weird analogy, if you will, to like how people now think of their time and their value, right? And I think these players are now looking at it like I'm a top player, I have a market value, and someone is giving me market value to actually do it more efficiently. It's like that, and that's sort of where my remote work goes. And like, I can be more efficient. I don't have to play these dozens of events that you just went through, George. Uh, I, can, I can pick and choose perhaps you know, 
litigation pending, well, which one I, I may want to go play and not play all dozens of them in the, in the first four months of the season. So you, you just hit on something that is like, like really interesting. Um, so the first thing is, I think for all of our listeners to appreciate your, uh, your personal experience COVID, you, I think, are a 12-time survivor. I am, I am a 12-time survivor. That's true. Like, I think at least four times confirmed. But, uh, yes, like you, you are more familiar with COVID than possibly even Dr. Fauci and yeah. uh, a, a multiple-time survivor. So all, all, the, all the variants. All the variants. So, like, our, our caps are off to you, and you have all the updated software. So, like, that's actually fantastic. Um, but so like, this is the interesting thing that I don't know that anyone's actually keyed in on. And it almost wasn't until you mentioned these events and all these things. And we talk about FedEx points and this and that, but like the official world rankings, the official world rankings, if you look at who runs it is the PGA tour, the DP tour, the masters. Um, and there's, I think like three or four other like minor golf things. Mm-hmm. But, like, they all have this interest. So, to award points, you have to play. Mm-hmm. So, it's this very weird, collusive thing that, like, in order to get points to qualify for, I'll say, quote unquote, opens. And this is actually going to be a very interesting issue for the USGA because the USGA is on the world golf ranking, as is the RNA is like to qualify for the opens exempt you have to have enough world points the only way you get world points is if you play sanctioned events and people have made some comments if you're a 54 hole event you can't get points in fact they do award 54 hole events points like they if you look down kind of like deep in the of awarded things they do have 54 hole events in there um it's minimal points but the reality is like it's this very weird collusive cabal that's overseeing this. And at some point, uh, and I will say, I don't know if like Greg and his group have looked into the depths of it. Mm-hmm. The fact that all of these groups, like the USGA and the RNA has no reason to be on the official world golf rankings. Um, I, for all these groups to come together on it to award exemptions and everything else based on rankings, I'm going to just guess knowing nothing and having zero sources and not even like pretending to make shit up here. There's some money flying around. Yeah. But between these groups, because there's no reason for all of them to be in on it unless there is some actual like money exchanging hands. Yeah. So and I'll tell you everything. Like, there, and I'll tell you to me that's like there's two vectors of pending litigation and I'm curious when the uh, when the lawsuits start flying. There's the one that is hey PG Tour says you're suspended, right? Uh, you're banned. That's got to come up. It's got to be, you know, uh, some one of the guys that hasn't resigned officially. I think Brooks says he's not resigned, Poulter, a few other guys. So eventually that that's going to get litigated. 
Uh, and then this other one you're touching on is the OWGR because, and I think it was Bryson that talked about this. He's like, Hey, the hero world challenge down in the Bahamas, that's, that's getting OWGR points. We all think of that as a, you know, more of an exhibition style invitational event. Um, why would that thing get points and, you know, live Portland, not get not get points. If you look at strength of field alone, you'd say, of course, you know, live Portland should get OWGR points. So, I, I mean, I, this, this is, I mean, we're, we're starting to get like far afield hill, so I'll be careful on, on time, but like every golf tournament, whether it's the PGA, the DP, the Asian, live, they are all exhibitions. Every single golf tournament that we know of as modern adults, short of the USAM and you know, any of the true amateur events are a triangle of money, right? You have the players getting paid for success in the tournament. You have the sponsor who is, you know, putting money into it in exchange for having their name said a billion times through coverage Mm -hmm. and everything else in marketing value. And then you have the promoter, i.e. the tour or the USGA or whoever else making money on selling the sponsorship. So like, it's just time to stop the sanctimonious nonsense that like golf is somehow purer than all other sports. Like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. Everybody is pulling money out of every golf tournament in every single direction. So like, that's, that's one piece of it. But then to your lawsuit point, I would say this, the, the dudes, from what I've seen of the, the membership agreement or whatever you want to call it for the PGA tour, like the guys who resigned, I think they're fine. Like, I, I think they actually played it right. Yeah. The guys, you, you can't, you can't, you can't fire me. I quit. Right. Exactly. And, and if I quit, I keep my exemption as it is when I, I sit in the icebox for one year or I tell you, I want to come back. I have to wait a year and then I'm back with whatever exemption I had. At the time I left, um, the, the guys who are like, I'm not resigning. I dare you to fire me. I do think from like kind of a legal standpoint in a number of directions, they're, they're going to lose. Like, I, I think that's, yeah, I, I don't see, I should put it this way. I don't see their path to victory because the tour can argue, I think, fairly well that hey we spent a lot of money marketing you for the benefit of these tournaments and that by and i would i would bet when it comes and out you signed stuff, our media agreement you signed our membership agreement you knew correct. what you were getting and, yourself into and i bet that when they sign these things and when these guys sign on to their equipment deals and all their like sponsorship agreements or their endorsement deals that like, hey, if you're fo- if you're the focal point of a particular tournament, like, we'll pay you more when you're there. So like, the PGA can be like, hey, we we actually make you money by, you know, like I bet DJ when he was the the face of the RBC Canadian, right? RBC is going to pay him more. Mm-hmm. The PGA is marketing him more. It's like that's a snowball effect. I'm like, hey, we're giving you you're getting an amplifier effect from us. So mm-hmm. like I, I, 
from the jump, I always thought that, in my opinion, Jay's best way to sort of coexist with Liv, if there was ever an opportunity to do it early, was to say, all right, hey, guys, if you want to go play the London event and skip Memorial, was it, was it opposite Memorial? This one was opposite. So I think the London was opposite Memorial. Yeah, let me look it up. Keep going. Um, so, like, hey, if you're going to skip this event, that's fine. But a, you can't skip a, you can't play a U.S. live event. And if you're going to skip kind of like one of our premier events, like Jack, you know, like, all right, hey, Jack is Jack's Tiger for people over fifty-five. Um, so, like, hey, if you're going to skip that event to kind of like thumb your nose at us to go play in London for all this money. You owe us a different event, right? Like, I, I felt like there always was a trade off that could be made. Um, this assumes, by the way, like, I, I am in no way assuming that, like, working with Greg Norman is working with a rational human being. Um, because we, we, I think we talked about in the first episode that he's had, he's had this desire to, like, break away and create this super league that he envisioned forever so like i i have no i don't want to assume that like these negotiations were ever rational um but i I do feel like if there was a window it could have been done better um and that's why i was i keep coming back like i feel like jay by always reacting has never really engaged in negotiation because he can't just say what he did yeah I'm with you. So uh, just a quick look and how soon we forget. Uh, first Live London event was opposite the RBC Canadian. So we talked about, you know, oh, teaching right. some of the RBC guys actually right. ditching, their, uh, ditching their title sponsor to go play in London. And, right. and I know we talked about time. We want to keep these relatively short. You know, we want to give you a, a quick insight to how the changing world of golf is evolving and, and our take on it. I, I'd like to wrap, George. There's a bunch of things that I think we can tee up for uh, future episodes We've talked about the OWGR. We've talked about like the what ifs around the Masters and the PGA. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things to dive into in a future episode. But we talked about doing one thing. It's a segment we're going to call "Who Are You?" And I talked about these guys. We've got you know 28 or so that we know from the 48 man field. We've got 20 we don't know. So we're each going to take one of these guys that's maybe down the list, maybe maybe player number three or four on one of these teams. And I'm going to take a guy who is playing with Brooks Kepka. Richard Bland and Chase Kepka this week. Adrian Otai Agi. Otai Agi. I'm saying it wrong, and I apologize to everyone who uh, who uh, has that last name. But Adrian, let me tell you a little bit about our friend Adrian, because he has an interesting background. Not a guy I was familiar with. Born in 1992, so he's only 29 years old. Turned professional at age 19. So was one of those we say only 20. Early... We're, we're in our 40s. and So let's not mince words. <laughs> There are some people like, oh, my God, that guy's already, like, old? He's ancient. He's so old. 29. But, yeah, this guy's 29 years old from, from San Sebastian, Spain, a place I visited recently. Fantastic place in the north of Spain. But he turned professional at age 19 back in 2011 and toiled in, in relative obscurity on the Challenge Tour, which is sort of the, you know, the, the equivalent of the, the Corn Ferry Tour here in the States, and bounced around between the Euro Tour and Q School, got his card, lost his card. He's got three professional wins. Uh, the first one was back in 2017. He won the Paul Laurie match play. And then later on down the line in 2018, won the Belgian knockout. 
uh, won that one at a winning score of minus three. So that must have been quite the event uh, in terms of strength of field or, or de- difficulty of the course, I should say. And then uh, winner of not the Scottish Open, but the 2020 Scottish Championship with rounds of an opening round 62, a closing round 63 to win by four over Matt Wallace. So a guy that can clearly get hot. I did not know of him. Uh, he's actually played in five major championships, two PGAs, one U.S. Open, two Open championships. He has missed the cut in all but one of those back in the 2018 PGA, finished T65, so nearly DFL. Uh, but an interesting guy and one that we're going to watch because I, I, I tend to think Brooks might might want to bring it in his first live event, and I think uh, maybe we should watch out for his team. Who, who do you have on your uh, who so, are these who, I, who are I you? Actually, who are you? I have uh, Blake Windred, and okay. he's with he's with the Punch Golf Club here, uh, which I think basically is all Australians. We got Wade Ormsby, Matt Jones. Uh, Jediah Morgan, who may be next week's guy, because who the shit are you? Like, honestly, these guys, <laughs> it's not even just like, like, oh, some fan, like, uh, Blake Windred, I think, other than his mom and girlfriend, I don't know who knows this guy. Um, <laughs> but, and, and so to, to sort of put it, like, let's bring everybody up to speed. His, his live bio, um, identifies him as being from hometown dash um so he's he's homeless which you know like i i appreciate a league that's going to like give a chance to someone who has no home um he's 511 so i wouldn't say he's a short king but is he really that tall maybe not mm-hmm. um he's from australia uh let's see here his first pro was in 2021 he capped off the year by winning his first event in his native australia and he's finished up runner up four times and has four other top tens in the last 18 months. So he's potentially someone on the rise. His, his world golf ranking is 260, 278. Uh, mm. He went a little backwards. Last week he was 269, obviously not getting points for playing in live events. And according to Wikipedia, so like basically Moses' stone tablets of fact, um, we've got his, he finished third in the 2018 A.B. Jennings North South Wales Open as an amateur. Everyone, ever everyone knows that one. Well, I mean, it really is a springboard because he did win the a- Avondale amateur back to back in 2018 and 19. So I think we can look back to that event as probably where you can see the ski, the ski jump really getting some velocity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he did win the 2015 Jack Newton Strixon International Junior. So again, you could see what was coming. I, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. like you'd you'd be blind to not recognize the talent. Um, his PGA Tour of Australasia, which I have to go back. Is that like Pangea? Is that bigger than Pangea? <laughs> I, I don't know, um, but it sounds important. Uh, he did win the Victorian PGA Championship, um, and he shot three rounds in the 60s with only a 71 as his lone outlier there. He won by one stroke over Brad Kennedy, who everybody knows has gone on to do much of nothing. But at that moment, I think he was probably a menace. And 
so yeah, like I'm really excited. I think that uh, Blake, he's 24 years old. He was born in 1997. Uh, so I mean, he's he's got his whole world in front of him. Uh, he is and a big bank account apparently. Well, growing. We don't know exactly what his contract says and what the payment terms are, but frankly, could, if he if he's, say. I think if he's not a captain by one of the later events or coming into next year, I think people are going to wonder, will he ever be a captain? That's true. I, I think that's the trajectory we're on here. I love it. So I like this segment. We're going to keep this going so we can introduce you to all of these guys that are filling out, you know, places three and four. But, hey, George, let's end with this most important thing. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you my pick first, then I want your pick. So think about it. Who wins the individual and what team is coming away with the Live Golf Invitational Portland title? I'm going to give you my thoughts. Patrick Reed. Guy always plays with a chip on his shoulder. You know, he seems happy. He was smiling at the presser. Maybe a little too eerie smile for my take. But uh, I think he comes out with a victory. He's been uh, sort of trending in the right direction on other events. I'd love to see uh, a Patrick Reed win this week. And then, of course, Aces is stacked with DJ, Patrick Reed, Taylor Duchin and newcomer Pat Perez. I, I just think they're going to get it done. So I'm going P. Reed, four aces, GC. What say you? I, I mean, I, I find it hard to say that Sodom Kanjana um, on Ironhead's GC isn't going to okay. walk away with this. Like, I mean, love this. Love it. Household name. Uh, he's, he's trending and I mean, Kevin Na has proven himself to be a leader of men. So I, I personally think that that's the smart money here. I know we kind yeah, of, they're going to be walk, walking in putts all weekend. Oh, I, I mean, without question, I'm sure they have been on the practice screens since they got to uh pumpkin Ridge. And I, I think he's probably going to run away with this, but. Love I know. It. Love it. I, I I'm hearing that from people on the ground. I have sources um, that he's 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 doing well. Uh, he's striping the ball and and really comfortable in the Pacific Northwest. So that's what I think. Fantastic. I love it. Well, hey George, I will see you while we both watch Live Golf on YouTube tomorrow. Have a good one, yeah. my friend. Looking forward to it. All right. Bye bye. Take care.